This is Work of the Beat. It is Wednesday, April 7th, 2021. I'm Kevin Cooney. Thanks for joining us. Give me what you can. Our first of two shows this week. We're going to try again on Friday uh, to get you set for a weekend. Masters weekend coming up here as uh, golf gets back in full swing. We'll talk. We'll talk a little Masters on this show, who uh, Mr. Kern likes this weekend. We'll wrap up the NCAA tournament. Not that I think there's much to wrap up. I, I think everybody, everything has been said about Baylor's win that needs to be said. I think it's the sixth time since 2005 that Villanova lost to the eventual champion. It is. It is. It's, it's a pretty remarkable stat when you think about it, that they've won two and you know lost the eventual champion six other times. Uh, I mean, they did a look. Jay had a great game plan. I'm sick of people telling me that Jay can't coach. You know, um, they just didn't have enough whatever. And then Baylor did to them for what what they did to Gonzaga. Turned them over left and right. Yeah, they're they're really. I mean, look, they're they're look. There was two really good teams playing for the title, and Baylor just played a better game. At, you know, and I don't know if that had to do anything with them playing UCLA and. Overtime, two days. I have no idea. But Baylor was the best team at the Final Four. You know, and, yeah. and but all year they were, the, you know, the, Gonzaga and Baylor were the best two teams until Baylor got COVID. I mean, you know? I, I think what surprised me was how Gonzaga, Gonzaga acted. Now, a lot of that you give credit to Baylor because Baylor's defense seemed like it totally threw them a, a curveball. But I thought Gonzaga... Gonzaga shrunk from the moment a little bit. Um, well, they shrunk from the moment, Kevin, because they were down by 20. I mean, right. you know, you, you, the Suggs had two fouls. When you're not hitting threes and the other team hits six of their first seven. Yeah, it's the way the game goes. And all of a sudden you're down. You can't because then it takes Timmy out of the game. Mm-hmm. He's not shooting threes. So I thought he was going to be the difference in the game, right. to be honest with you. But when they got back to nine, I think it was, nine or ten, and then Baylor came right back and hit a couple threes. Well, Timmy, you you can't play catch up by by shooting twos all the time, you know. And and you know, Suggs didn't have a great game. Um, mm-hmm. I've never been the biggest Crispert guy, but I haven't seen enough Gonzaga all year. I'm sure he's a great player. Um, he just seemed to me like he was. Um, I don't know. He didn't look like all that. To, you know, he looked like about the eighth, yeah. the sixth best player on the court. But again, I haven't seen Gonzaga all year, so. Yeah, I just know the Baylor guards were great. <laughs> you know, I thought where Gonzaga had the big advantage was Timmy over whoever Baylor was going to have in the middle. Right. And he did get him in foul trouble. Yeah, but, but, the, but know, the problem was and, that he got him in foul trouble too, and he yeah. also turned the ball over six times. So, and, and when there was about five minutes left to go, I mean, it wasn't happening. No. I, I thought there was a shot that they Gonzaga got the nine. maybe could get it close enough to, but no. Nah, yeah, nah, they got the nine at one point, and I went, all right, here we go. And then, like, yeah, Baylor But Baylor all that energy on. that you expend getting from 20 to nine, nine. is, yeah. you know, take something out of you, too, and, and then Baylor had the counterpunch. I mean. Yeah. And then Baylor got it right back to 16, and it was pretty much over at that point. So Yeah. They, I mean, look, they played, look. They, they Baylor played great. I mean, they, you know. Like yeah. yeah, I'm thinking of teams. Yeah, like, Nova. You know, Nova had the best game. Well, I guess Arkansas played him pretty well, but oh, Jay had a great game plan. Yeah, you know, to, to keep the score low, 
don't turn the ball over, and then all of a sudden they right. turn it over plus, seven times. Plus, they shot minutes. they shot eighteen percent from the three in that right. one. So if they the hit college, threes, that game's different too. Basketball, Kevin, is not the game that I covered. Um, it's it's a totally, totally, totally different game. And if you make threes, you're going to be hard to beat. When yeah. you're as good as Baylor or Gonzaga, and and Gonzaga also gets out in in, in transition really well and yep. gets baskets yeah. that way. Um, Baylor made threes. I mean, they came right. I mean, the, the three guards, all three of them were hitting them from everywhere. Well, you know, you look up and you're down 12 or 13 after five minutes. And I mean, there's enough time. Sure. But, you know, and then everything's got to kind of go right for you. And, um, you know, I, I just think, yeah, I mean, I, you know, Gonzaga probably has, I mean, I know BYU had them by double digits in the, the WAC or the WCC final. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, it's a shame. Uh, I mean, from Gonzaga's standpoint, because you're never going to have that opportunity again. No, you'll never be 31 and 0. And um, now some people will look at the. I heard one guy saying, and may look, maybe it makes sense. I, I don't know that their conference does not prepare them for the tournament. Now, yeah, that what? seems easy to say when the guy team got to the final game twice in the last six years, twice in the uh, last four years. Well, wasn't it 15 they were in the final? Who, Gonzaga? 17. 17, I'm sorry, my bad. So, yeah, okay. Uh, so, I mean, I, I understand what they're saying. Is that when you play in a mid-major or, or not one of the power conferences, yes, it is different. Mm-hmm. Um, Villanova doesn't play in a power conference. You know, and that was the knock on them for a while when they were losing those second-round games. Yep. Well, as you know, Villanova's only playing this team and that, and, you know, the Big Ten's banging. You know, well, the Big Ten teams were all gone. Um. And one, but somebody brought up a, a good theory about that. I, I don't know if it was Stevie Donahue. Mm-hmm. So that the Big Ten teams were in Indianapolis for an extra week. I actually talked to our buddy Jack McCaffrey, and he said maybe uh-huh. the Big Ten outthought itself by having everybody in Indianapolis for so long for the Big Ten, and then brought yeah. them right in that perhaps it it it, it did have a, a a sense of fatigue or, or you know it just. I think again, Kevin. We're talking about twenty-year-old kids, and I know it would, how hard it would be for for me to stay in a place for a month, yeah, or three weeks to a month, doing nothing but going to my room, um, you know, going to whatever practice, and, and I mean, that basically that's what they did. Yep. And I, yeah, so, but that, look, but Baylor's a worthy champ. I mean, yeah. this was two years in the making. This was not. They might have won the championship last year. Yeah. Uh, you know. What? Uh, you know. All right. We're going to uh, transition uh, our two main stories, right? Obviously, uh, involve Philadelphia teams, and let's start with the Phillies. Four and one as they wrap up their f- first homestand of the season on Wednesday afternoon. After we've recorded this against the New York Mets, weather uh, might not be too good. Uh, it's supposed to clear up as the afternoon goes along. Oh, okay, okay, okay. So it's a four o'clock start. Um, oh, okay. Aaron Nola back on the mound for the second time after a pretty solid start on opening day. Um, let's get the positives out of the way. They're they're pitching to this point, at least out of the bullpen, with the exception of last night, and their starting pitching in the top three have been tremendous. Uh, their top three were outstanding in Nola, Eflin, and, and Wheeler. Uh, and their bullpen until Vince Velasquez blew up last night has been really good as well. Um, small sample size, obviously, but w- what have you seen so far? Well, they, look, they, they, Dombrowski went out in the offseason 
and improve the bullpen. Now, what that means, we're just going to have to wait. And, and, and you're going to have you have two guys in your bullpen who they're counting on who don't throw strikes all the time. Alvarado and uh, Neris. Right. I mean, so get used to it. N- Neris yeah, with I the Neris to... with the splitters a little closer to the strike zone than Alvarado, but okay. Yeah, but that's like saying I'm a little closer to the strike zone than that's Alvarado. True. I mean, you know, th- just get used to it. They're going to look. They're going to save you a lot of games, I'm sure. And you're going to have knuckle moments when you're sitting there. It's like the Mets bullpen. You know, the guy was sitting there last night saying, the Mets bullpen, every time they go to the bullpen, it's like they, they don't think any lead's big enough. I'm not saying that Norris is going to blow a lot of leads or, or the other guy's going to blow a lot of leads, but you're going to see a lot of Mitch Williams games. You, you just are. Because it's Alvarado. Is that how I pronounce it? Yeah, Alvarado. I, I would say, though, Mike, that the one thing that could change this dyna- dynamic is they, with the multiple options they do have between Neris and Alvarado, and they could go to Bradley as the closer. Sure. Um, Joe's going to go to the hook, and Joe is, uh, and Girardi is going to be able to eventually, fi- I think they're going to mix and match things until they find a formula that's consistent. And you're right, Alvarado is not that guy. Alvarado is a great wild card coming out of the pen who can throw real hard. And occasionally it will hit the strike zone or will force guys to go outside the zone. But so I don't think he's a legitimate closer option. I, I think Neris could get exposed down the road. I think Bradley ends up eventually being the closer for this team. Uh, but they have a nice tandem in the back, I think. I think well, yeah, well, they all work together in a strange way. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what they had stunk. Yeah. So, yes, it's better. All I'm saying to you, I'm not saying it's not going to work. I'm just saying is don't expect Alvarado to come in with his 100-mile, and he, even if it's in the eighth inning, and you're holding the one-run lead or something, and he's going to throw 15 pitches, and 10 of them might not be in the strike zone. So if if people get patient, and it's hard to be patient when a guy's throwing 100 at you, I understand the dynamics that go into that. But you can't have – look what happened to the Mets on Monday night. Yeah. You can't have guys come in and put guys on base. No. You can't come in and hit a batter and walk a batter. And the Phillies are going to do that. Because it it turns the pressure up on your defense, and you see what happens on a play like the the chopper to third. If I see one more time in my life a reliever come into a one-run game or whatever, two-run game in the Mets case, I guess, Mm -hmm. and and hits the first batter or walks the first batter, are you kidding me? Just throw the ball down the middle. If Bryce Harper hits the ball out, it's two to one. I mean, come on. you got to have a little bit more confidence in yourself but maybe you don't. Well, I, I don't know. And and Velasquez, the Phillies should be embarrassed that he is still on the team. Look, he's going to come back next week, this week. He'll throw a good game. He'll he'll come in there one game, and you know he'll he'll look good. And everybody say, "Oh, Vinny Velasquez, look, look at this bull crap." It's six years. This guy needs to be on another team. He needs to get a fresh start. He needs to go to Kansas City or Oakland or somewhere and start over. Because what happened last night cannot happen. And this goes back to the fact that Howard isn't ready to pitch. You know, this is a guy that they were counting on at some point. They have nobody in the minor leagues. And, okay, that's fine. I I get it. They're trying to rebuild. You can't do it all in one year. I understand that. But what happened last night was so predictable and so Vinny Velasquez and so Phillies that, you know, you just – 
Four, it just whatever for, for Velasquez, four strikeouts, four walks, one one run walked in. So yeah, yeah, but the four strikeouts, three of them were in the first first inning. inning. Yeah, right. Um, so it's that that tease of how great he could be for one inning, and then he's not great. It's not it's, no 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 no. Te- after six years, Kevin, I, I you're not teasing me anymore. It, it, he's 28 years old. It, this isn't like it, it. It's like Kingery. There's no tease anymore about this guy can be this. That's when you're 23 and 24, and yeah, you know, I mean, we're even kind of getting to that point a little bit with Reese Hoskins, um, but he's a better player. I mean, he, he's still a good player. But I'm saying what he could be because he hit 17 home runs in his first 32 games or whatever it was. Uh, it, it's too, it's too much. Right. It, it's, 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 and I understand they need Vinny Velasquez. If they had somebody better, he wouldn't be here. And I, and I don't. I think if this keeps up in a week or two, he won't be here. I, I really don't. Probably right, but but why is he here now? I mean, we've we they kept feeding him and Pavetta to us for all these years, and you're just like, please, well, yeah. What but is there, ha- there's not that? there's not a there's not an investment in him. I get it, but you're she's still by there. Dombrowski and company that there was with 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 Clintac. I mean, it was Clintac's first trade and all that. Um, this is not this is not three years or four. No, years. this is what, six, Mike. What is I, Mike, I'm not saying I'm not saying that. Vinny Velasquez should stay here. I'm just saying that, yeah. you know, at this point, as the lawn man, I mean, both him and David Hale are two guys who were back from that bullpen, and both of them last night were not good. Uh, no. You're asking about Howard's status. Howard, they're trying to monitor his innings. Um, so he's not going to be a factor this year probably, right? No, 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 no. They're talking about maybe bringing him up the second half of the season to have more of an impact. I would not be okay. surprised if... They bring him up the second half of the season and turn him into like the fourth or the fifth starter. Um, okay. You know, it's funny. Like first, the first go around on every season always gets everybody overreacting, positive or negative. And I heard somebody on radio yesterday say the Philly's biggest problem is the number four starter. Philly's biggest problem is not the number four starter. Not that Matt Moore is great. I'm, I'm not. How saying, many teams have really good number four starters? Four starters. Yeah, that's exactly the point. You want the biggest problem for the Phillies in my mind right now? Center field. That is a mess between Hazley and Quinn. It is just awful. They don't have a center fielder. They don't They've have never a, center, a fielder. center fielder. And, and and all you need those guys to do, you're going to hit them eighth at this point. And and look, before everybody else goes, the rest of the lineup will warm up. You know, sure. offense is always behind at this time of year. It really yeah. is. Okay? All you need those two guys to do is basically give you a little bit where you could turn the lineup over and not have the pitcher leading off. That's part one. And part two is you need him to catch the ball. And I know Quinn made the great play on, on opening day with the throw and all that. You know, that Hazley play where he backs up 50 feet and then comes back in huh. on Monday night is a disgrace for yeah, a major league outfield. I mean, did he lose the ball in the lights? But, but, ju- but you can't. You, oh, I know, Kevin. You can't. You, he, that, you, I know. You know. He's not enough of a – Adam Hazley is that contact guy who has no power, and if he can't play defense and he's only going to hit your singles and doubles, in the modern game, he's nothing. Well, look, it's like in football. If you have two quarterbacks, you have no quarterbacks. We have four center fielders. And they have none. They have, which means they have none. And they've known this, but again – And Dabrowski will probably end up having to go trade for one. He but probably he will. Can't fix everything in one off season. No. Yeah, you know, we're we're sitting here like we expect this team because now all of a sudden they're four and one, 
And people are saying, hey, they can win the division. And, and you know what? Maybe they can. I'm not going to sit here and tell you I know enough. But let's just put the brakes a little bit on. He came in. He fixed the bullpen a little bit. Okay? I'm not saying it's perfect. But how much did you expect this guy to do? They had Herrera. They had Kingery. They were hoping Kingery would win the job. He didn't. Mickey Money, I don't know what the hell he is anymore. Quinn and Hazen. They have five guys. Five. Yeah. And none of them can play well enough that that you're not going to notice that they're out there. So I I don't know what that means. I I don't know how they're going to rectify this. I uh, but I, my guess is for a while at least you're going to see Hazley and you're going to see Quinn, and you're just going to have to put up with it and hope that it doesn't cause. I mean, you know, Quinn won you a game the one night <gasps> with the throw. So yeah, yeah. You know, I don't know. I mean. You know, and he runs I do, real fast. I do so. find it interesting too that Girardi is in late game situations putting, um, putting pinch runner in. He did the other night for for McCutcheon. Right, he pulled him that. again last night. I think, or mm-hmm. you know, they're they're gonna they're gonna slow walk this with, with with McCutcheon at this point. I mean, it seems like they're going to they're gonna try to get him off the feet early in the season as much as possible, maybe to have have him have something in the tank. Well, if I had Quinn on the bench and the runner on second base was important, I'd pinch run Quinn every time. That's me. He's the he's like the fastest guy in baseball or one of the two or three fastest guys. Why would I leave McCutcheon out there if if the run was going to tie the game or put me ahead or whatever it was going to do? I mean, that that's just how I think you have to manage. And, and then if, if you're taking McCutcheon out of left field, you got to deal with it. You know, you got to you got to figure out somebody else that can play left field. It, 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 if you got to take McCutcheon out of the game, I, I you know, McCut, McCutcheon can't play. You know, one hundred and sixty-two. Um, so at some point, I mean, who is their other left fielder? Who who goes into left well, field? Easily would probably be the the more logical that, choice. Well, that, that's a you know, that's a, but it's not a perfectly constructed team. That's no. why they won seventy-nine games late. Or no, they didn't well, play seventy-nine games. They won twenty-eight or twenty-seven. Yeah, well, they were last five. Year. They were five hundred right. team last year. So, and they've been a five hundred team for a decade or worse. So, you know, you're, you're not. You know, that we we don't really like the second base situation, but that's what it is. You know, it, it ain't changing anytime because that's what they're stuck with. So, they went out and signed the catcher. They signed the shortstop. Eflin looks like he might be the pitcher that we think maybe he can be, which would be huge if he could. So, you know, you got to take it. They're, they're a flaw. And, and I don't think any of the other teams in the division, maybe other than the Braves, don't have flaws in them. Yeah. The Bra- I mean, you look at the you look at the the Mets. You look at the Mets right now, and that bullpen is just you know, the fam- Mets familiar. The Mets. Yeah. Every year I hear about how the Mets are this and the Mets are that and the Mets did this and the Mets did that. They're the Mets. Mm-hmm. What don't we get? I'm not saying they ain't going to finish ahead of the Phillies. Maybe they will. But I'm just saying, we always hear about how they have these four great pitchers, and by Memorial Day, two of them are on the DL for the rest of the year. The one thing I'll say that the Mets have now with Steve Cohen is the idea that the Mets will go out and make a move at the deadline good. that will bring salary in, which they yeah, were good. never okay. able to do under Fred Wilpon. Yeah, that's fine. And and you can go sign Lindor, and you, you can go make another – but eventually – most of the time in baseball, the teams that make those big signings don't win with those big signings. If you go back, well, unless you're the, the Dodgers, but yeah, I, I, but I it hear took you. the Dodgers how long? long. Yeah, but and, the Dodgers are always in the hunt as Ben. Right, that's fine. But in a, and it was in a sixty game season. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm just saying. But we see all these teams that they go out and, and they make you know, the Angels. 
Crazy Angels had, where they had pools, had like three guys in their team making a trillion dollars. And not only did, they didn't make the playoffs with the best player in baseball. Um, the Phillies went out and got Bryce Harper and for two years haven't made the playoffs. Um, you know, the Padres went out and got the shortstop. And, and yeah, I mean, I guess, yeah, they were, they were good last year. But they also had Tatis, who's now hurt. Um, yeah, let, let the Mets spend their money. Go ahead. and But if they don't spend it wisely and, you know, uh, they could just be one of those disappointing teams. You know, they have DeGrom going for them, which is great. But, you know, I want to see Saber, or, or uh, the, the guy, Cinderhart. I want to see him pitch like five or six or seven or eight starts before I go, oh, my God, he's great. You know, that's just – the Mets are the well, Mets, and the Braves are the Braves for a reason. And I think I think the one of the problems the Mets are going to have. I don't I don't really trust that manager either. I mean, I don't even know the manager. Luis so Rojas he, is his name, yeah. but I mean, yeah. you know, you pulled Syndergaard after seventy-seven pitches the other night. You mean Degrom or Degrom? I'm sorry. Yeah, you pulled. Well, the, look, it was his first game of the year. I, I'm with you. I mean, I won the. I mean, you got to watch the game, and, and, yeah, and, and there's know. there's sometimes the game should. The game should tell you when you should pull a guy and when you shouldn't. But that's baseball now. Kevin. I understand. The managers now are so tight, afraid. Oh sure, that their pitchers going to get hurt. They're worried the GM's going to fire him over the fact that uh, that they they let a guy go ninety pitches as opposed to eighty, or like the fact they left Noel in for the seventh inning and he gives up the two run homer. Yeah, he pitched a great game. Mm-hmm. But now, will that mean the next time that Noel gets to the seventh inning? I don't. I, I think they'll leave him in. But they're they're so. The game is now built around bullpens. That's what the game is. You want your starter to give you six innings, mm-hmm. get you to the seventh, and, and the Royals started that like six years ago when they won the World Series, and they had the sixth, seventh inning guy, they had the eighth inning guy, and they brought in Davis in the ninth inning, and that's what teams do. The Yankees have been doing it, you know, when they had Mariano. Um, but if your bullpen doesn't get it done... And the Mets bullpen has had lots of issues. Yeah, you know, we we they just got trumped by the Phillies issues last year. But um, you you show me a team that has a really good bullpen, and I'll take that team over the team with the better starters. Even though yeah. you need starters, I mean, you need both. Um, like and, like obviously, you know, Tampa over the years has had a great bullpen. Uh, I right. would say the Yankees have a great bullpen. Uh, and that's National- why they took their pitcher. That's why they took Snow out of the game. Yeah, you know, last year I, I the would, World Series. I would say it's less common in the National League game um, because no DH. I I guess maybe it's just the way the balance of power has fallen. I mean, even the Dodgers. The Dodgers had Jansen, uh, Jansen, and he's okay. And you look at the rest of what the yeah the Joe Kellys of the world that LA's <laughs> throwing out there, and he's. They're pretty good. But the wasn't Jansen like a couple years ago that was pretty good? He, I mean, he slipped, he, off, he a slipped off a little bit last year, and he's gone through a lot of health issues. I mean, he had the heart yeah. issue and all that. Right, right. Um, wasn't the guy on the Mets, though? Wasn't he, Kevin, a couple years ago? He was like lights out, right? Uh, oh. Uh, uh, Familia. Well, Familia, and they also had Diaz, who was with Seattle and was great and came over right, here and but, stunk. But one year, Familia was like great, and then all of a sudden he stunk. Oh, he, he's, it, ha- he's also had some other issues. Okay, okay. I mean, it, he's been stop and start. I think he's on his last strike, actually, if I'm not mistaken, within the sport. Oh, I didn't realize. Okay. I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to the top of my head, so don't. Yeah, I, I hear you. But that's what makes Mariano, like, when you think about Mariano. You know who has the best bullpen in the National League? Now, now I think about Milwaukee. Because you have Hader and you got a, you got their right. bullpen's really deep. 
The problem right. for them is they've never found the starting rotation that kind of matches up. Right, right, right. But I mean, I mean, last year we saw teams even in the playoffs. Oh yeah, they were going like let throw my starter out there for two innings, you know, two or three, and then we're going to go to the next guy. And then we're gonna, and look, if you want to play baseball like that, I'm I'm not. You know, well, I grew up in an era where the starting pitcher went seven, eight innings, you know, and and then he turned the ball over to somebody. And um, yeah, now. You know, by the way, before we leave the baseball topic, and, and uh, you know, everybody talks about, everybody at the beginning of the year believes they have a feel for how a season's going to go. I'll take the case of the San Diego Padres, who signed Fernando Tatis Jr. to this large contract. Everybody has kind of put them as the next thing, and, and rightfully so. They're, they're a really good, deep roster. But Tatis then injures his shoulder the other night. He's going to be out for a while. I mean, it's basically like it popped out of place. And now the Padres are the Padres have their number, you know, maybe maybe not Machado, but their second best hitter. Uh, you know, sideline. This is the unpredictability of the sport. You don't know what's going to happen to the Padres now without Tatis in the middle Ke- of that. Kevin, order. is every sport we could sit here in August and tell what we think who the teams are going to make the NFL playoffs and we'd be lucky if we got half of them right. We could sit there in basketball. Who knew that Harden was going to get traded to the Nets? Yeah. Who knew that LeBron and AD were going to be out for for months? Months. Yeah. You don't. You can't. You. You. you people. This is why it, it's foolish what we do, but it's what we do because people to sit there and they have and they say this and, and you never know what what is going to happen. You're, you're just you're going off what happened, and you're and you're trying to say what could happen. It's you know maybe the Phillies are a ninety win team. Could be. How the hell do I know? Um, uh, I'll be honest. If you're winning, if you're winning, you know, sixty percent of your games, which is what you could do with the three starters they have, you're you're going to be in that hunt. You're going to be but, in that ballpark. But, but you don't know. Wheeler's arm could fall off. Oh sure. I mean, it's fallen off before. So you you don't know. You just don't like you can you can pretty much assume like the Pittsburgh Pirates aren't going to win the Central. Yes. You yeah, can assume yeah. the Kansas City Royals are probably not going to win the American League Central. Right. But, I mean, now look at but Miami then, now. Uh, the Sanchez is hurt, right? Yeah. He, he's, he's having arm issues. Um, so, like, the Marlins made the playoffs last year. Maybe they're, maybe this year they're a 75-win team. I Could I, be. Who the hell knows? Um, mm-hmm. We see this every single year. Great. There's, like, a team or two, and you'll say, where the hell did they come from? You know, I wasn't expecting that. It's, it's just... You know, and, and the Yankees, this is this is what I find great about baseball, and I understand betting a little bit, not as much as some people, but for the the Yankees have won one World Series since two thousand and one. They've been to two World Series since then, and they've only been to one since two thousand three. Every single year, they are installed as the second or third or first favorite in the betting. Mm-hmm. Why? Why? Because they're the Yankees. Because they're the Yankees. They're the Yankees. That's no, but they're the Yankees. Well, Mike, I, I'll tell you what somebody that I knew out in Vegas told me. And it always explained why the Cubs always had this. The Cubs always had a number that was more inflated than probably what their roster. So did the Cowboys. Right. Yeah, and, I get and, that. And I, and I asked that, and they said for years people would put a futures bet on the Cubs because there were Cubs. Case. What? Right. Because they were case. Cubs fans, just in case, yeah. so they yeah. said they cashed in the lottery ticket. Right. 
Now, with I the Yankees, it, it, it's the same a little bit. I think that there's a huge Yankee fan base. Yankee fans tend to be, uh, tend to believe it's their birthright to win yeah, the World the Yankees, Series. Kevin, I guess what I'm saying, Kevin, the Cubs could have been 100 to 1. Oh, sure. Cashing a lottery ticket. The Yankees are 2 to 1 or 3 to no, 1. No, no, but what I'm saying is. a lottery ticket. But, Mike, I'm saying there's enough of those people that drove the odds down. I for, get it. For the but Cubs. Every year we will sit here, okay, because Girardi was their manager for a long time. And every year. Like I looked this year, the Yankees are the second favorite behind the Dodgers. Okay, I get it. I understand it. The Yankees probably haven't right, by even the gotten out of the American League since, since 2009. 2009. Okay. 12 years, they have not represented the American League in the World Series. But every year, they're the favorite to win the American League. Well, I understand that. Russo. Mad Dog has said this. Mad Dog, I haven't heard him in a while. Yeah, Mad Dog has said, you know, thank God 2009 happened for a couple people. Actually, he did a show with Francesa, and he said, thank God for some people 2009 happened because if not, then a lot of people be out of jobs up in the Bronx. Oh, yeah. But 2000, I mean, and the funny thing is, not for us, it's not funny. The Phillies could have won that year. I mean, they they played the Yankees, and the only time the Yankees. Games three and game four were. Disasters, yeah, yeah. I mean, the Phillies could have. You know, I don't think people realize exactly. And again, and this is my pet peeve in life: if they had just gotten Halliday at the trade deadline in two thousand nine, when we sat here, think, think about for this, Don man, Brown. I had these two thoughts this week. So we didn't want to part with either J. A. Happ or Dryback. 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 Are you shitting me? I mean, really? Are are you, are you shitting me? Now, I'm fairness, J. Happ's still in the big leagues, but go ahead. I don't care. I don't. J.A. Happ has been a very good pitcher for a decade. I'm not knocking J.A. Happ. You can get a Hall of Famer to go with the, the guy you got, um, Lee. You probably win the series in, in nine. You might have won the series in ten. Who the hell knows? But what I'm saying is, so this year in December, people in Philadelphia are debating if we should trade Ben Simmons to the Houston Rockets for James Harden. Are you shitting well, me? The problem is the Rockets... That we're never going to no, no. trade them anyway, I, but go ahead that, to the that's Sixers. That's not the point. I don't care if the Rockets were never trading him to the Sixers. I don't care if the Rockets wanted the five draft picks from the Nets, even though the, that's fine. But people in Philadelphia for two weeks debated, well, can we afford to trade Simmons and Maxie and two first-rounders? If they asked you that question today, you'd give them three first-rounders. I don't want to hear people in Philadelphia. And it might this is a great transition, they, by the way. Go ahead. They sit there and they debate <clears> these <throat> trades when we can get these. And now they look back and say, man, we could have won the World Series in 09 if we, maybe if we'd only done that. Well, okay, but at the time, you weren't sure you wanted to do it. I mean, if you had Harden, I, look, sure, Harden's probably only got two more years left in him or whatever. Simmons might have nine or ten more years. Ben Simmons is the same player today as he was four years ago. His numbers this year are all down. They're career low numbers. Why were why did we not want to part with Ben Simmons for a scoring champ and a possible MVP? Please explain this to me. I can't. No, there there is none because Philadelphians sit there and say, "Well, you know, we got the best record in the East right now, and Ben had this thirty point game the other night against this team." And I'm not knocking Ben Simmons. You you he, well, I'm going to knock Ben Simmons on this. Ben Simmons, in a strange way, for a guy who whose main game is assist and distribution and all that, 
Facilitator. Yeah, facilitator. Okay. The fact that his numbers have slumped so poorly since the All-Star game. An All-Star game he played really well going into, by the way. Yep. And and there's a trend now that he plays well in January and fades off after the All-Star game. I didn't realize that. Yeah. Uh, okay. That, that tells me something about him as a player. That that's his goal. That he wants to be... He wants to be considered in that class uh, for, but he doesn't want to necessarily, you know, after that's done, after that moment where he's recognized, it's almost like the team accomplishments, I hate saying it, almost feel like they're secondary. I, I won't go there. What, what I, I'll say is I think he thinks that he, as he said to Jack a year ago or whatever it was, he's an all-star. Mm-hmm. So what does, and then when the coach, and look, I respect the coach. When the coach comes out and defends it and says, well, you guys really put more value on that than I do, what what the hell does that mean? So so when you know, and you're right. And I thought I thought that the other night when Doc said it, and to be honest, like my my initial thought was, hey, Doc, on nights when you have Embiid, I I I get it. I really do. Or when Tobias is going well, I really get it. Okay. on a night when on a night when Embiid's not in the lineup, like it was against Memphis. Take shots. Take, You're not take, passing it to anybody better. Take he shots. He from four. He not, and 90% of his shots are from four or five feet to the basket. And, and with he's, he's struggling with that now. Right. All I'm saying is, Kevin, you're going to get to the playoffs and you're going to be in the final three minutes of a game. Mm-hmm. He's useless. Yeah. He's it's useless be four on five. because he can't. Because teams aren't going to allow him in a half court set mm-hmm. to do the things that so he becomes he becomes I don't know what he becomes. I, I don't know. And this is why when Jimmy Butler was here, that that Ben sort of slunk off into the court because Jimmy Butler took the ball and said, I got it. Okay. And that's what and that doesn't mean that Ben Simmons isn't a great defender, that he can't pass the ball. His turnovers kill me. I mean, for a guy, but okay. They're, they're going to play. Where do you see games in the playoffs where George Hill, if he ever gets healthy, will have the ball in the final two? Well, what do you? What does that tell you about Ben Simmons? I, I, I don't. Oh, you're when, right. When Joel Embiid is not playing against Memphis at home, and you're Ben Simmons, don't you have to show up at the arena thinking, okay, tonight, okay, ben, Joe's not playing. I, I got to be more assertive. I, I got to. I don't know what that means. Our, you know, our our buddy Bob Cooney has said the other night that you always expect that first game back from a West Coast trip like they were on, you're going to have dead legs. And he said that maybe the Embiid comeback on Saturday night postponed the dead legs to Sunday, and that's possible. Um, I'll buy that. I'll buy that. But does that mean you take? But you don't have shots? a lack of interest. Now, you know, dead legs are one thing. Lack of interest is another. They had Ben Simmons had no interest in playing that game. No. Ben Simmons is a leader on your team, or he should be. Okay, it's him and Embiid, and 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 Tobias. Yeah, Tobias is also. I'm not knocking Tobias, but, but he just sometimes you just sit there and you're like, and then he'll do it. Sometimes he'll do it. He'll have that, you know, twenty. And look. He's never going to be a 22-point scorer in this league. That's not him. But he's got to be a 15-point scorer. You have to be. Yeah. You have to be almost by default. He's being guarded every night by a guy who's three or four inches short, smaller than him. 
I mean, he creates a mismatch. Mm-hmm. And I just don't, and, and I've defended him and defended him, and, 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 and I'm just at the point where he's the same player now as he was four years ago. Where is the growth? Where is the, he's a 63% free throw shooter. He was a 62% free throw shooter last year. Where, where, where is where is he elevating himself to become an elite player? But I think in his mind, he thinks he's an elite player. And then when Doc comes out and says, well, you know, I don't care. No, Doc, no. And Embiid and Harris may get you a couple rounds deep. They could, those two. But to get to a final, you're going to need Ben Simmons playing at the top of his game, and I and I don't know if he has that level. I really I don't. don't. I mean, I know if I'm defend if I'm playing the Sixers, and I'm a team that has a chance to beat the Sixers, whoever mm-hmm. that could be, whether it's the Bucks, whether it's Miami, whether the, I don't know. I, I'm basically saying, Ben, I want you to. We're going to let you score 25. Right. Go ahead, because we, we don't think you can do it, but we're going to let you. We're going. We're you know we're, we're going to try to stop. You're not going to stop and be, but we're going, we're going to try to contain you know, Harris. You can stop Harris or you could try. Yeah. You know, I, I'm just saying, I, I don't, and, and I like the, I mean, I like this team. I like what they've done. I, I do too. And I team. think the head coach has done a real good job with this. And, and yeah. they're, they're, if anything has happened this year, it's, you know, that you have two pieces you can count on both in Harris, uh, who's consistent. Tobias Harris is consistent most every night. Well, he's been he's been he's look, a professional. He's not a, he's not a thirty-five million dollar a year player. But he's a professional. Right. He's not and, and you have an MVP in Embiid. If you yeah. if you lose in the second round, look, they'll they'll probably end up with Boston in the first round. And I think they'll end up beating Boston or whatever. They should. Or Charlotte or whoever comes out of that playing tournament. Yeah. But you're gonna have Miami in the second round. Or you're going to end up with one of those teams that you're going to, it's going to look and go, well, you know, you should get by it. It's not going to be yeah. that easy. And that, and that team will have nothing to lose. No. Because that team will have, because that everybody's, being, con- everybody's conceding hmm. the East to either the Nets, the Sixers, or the Bucks. And that being said, it is, normally you got, well, what's the difference between a one seed and a two seed? In the Sixers case, I think it's pretty damn important. Because I would rather still play Miami and let, Milwaukee and Brooklyn slug each other, then have to go sure. through both at that point. Well, yeah, obviously. I mean, but that, I mean, I remember we were saying that about the Flyers last year. Right. Well, they got the top seed. That's great because now they don't have to play Boston and Boston and Washington can go slug it out and they lost to the Isles. So, you know. Yeah, and they barely beat, and and they barely beat Montreal. Right. So, I mean, you know, like, yeah, we're, 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 we're just saying, well, you know, let, let the Bucks. Okay. I, Kevin, I, I don't. We, we overanalyze things. We, yeah, we, we do. yeah. Would I rather have them finish first? Sure, finish first, play an easier team. Yeah, but if they finish second, they finish second. I mean, you know, so you have to beat the Bucks. That, that's life in the fast lane. Um, you know, I, they're, they're, they're you know, if, if, they, if, look, I think if they lose in the second round, if they do not get past the second round. Even if the Bucks are a good team and, and Giannis has a great or whatever, whatever happens, it's not going to sit well. And and not and I'm not I shouldn't say that because you got a new coach, you got a new but then like what do you do now? Like going forward, what do you say? The Nets have all those guys for the next two years. Mm-hmm. Giannis ain't going anywhere. Mike is disappeared into the ether. 
as we hit a poor connection. So I will pause it right here. Okay. Yeah. I mean, you have a window. Um, and, you know, the, 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 who knows? I mean, right now Utah looks like the best team out in the West because the Lakers have all those injuries. I don't know what the Clippers are. That Denver looks like it's – but I'm just saying, you only have to play one of those teams if you get that far. You know, it was funny. Dave Murphy, my former colleague, did, did a story this week about teams that the Sixers should, like, be worried about or could work. And three of them were in the West. And I'm like, I don't care about the Phoenix Suns. I don't care about the Denver Nuggets. I only care about the Bucks, the Nets, the Heat. If you get to the final, you get to the final. You, you yeah. play who you play. Yeah, roll the <laughs> dice at that point. I, I, I'll sign up for that yesterday. Get me to the final. I don't care who's sitting there waiting for him. Jeez. <laughs> we should be so fortunate. Um, I, I'll spend the next minute on the Flyers. Uh, they're done. Now we move on they're to not the, done. They're not done. They're, they're, they're close to being done. They're not done. By the end of the week, you they know. could be done. They got one more with Boston. They, and they got the Islanders. Night, every, if they had one last night, everybody <clears throat> would have had them. Oh, see. Oh, Mike. Yeah, Mike, you can't. You can't, can't judge it by one game, Kevin. No, but, but Mike, it's the continuation of the same pattern. You're it, right. It's unforced but errors. If they, had won, if they had one last night, what would the narrative have been today? Just answer that question. Well, you know what the they, narrative They would have been. been back in the race, yeah. They, they would have been, well, they beat Boston twice. But they put themselves you know, they in. Them, they get them again on Saturday. Um, you know, it's. And they have the Islanders the on and they have the Islanders on Thursday night. So by the time That's Saturday, funny. by the time dinner arrives on Saturday, okay, they play a 2 o'clock game on Saturday. By the time right. dinner arrives on Saturday, you'll know if they're done or not. Because but they have they to win, win the next two. And they have to win what both in regulation. But, but I'm just, Kevin, what if they win them? You know, you know you're just writing, and you might write. They might lose both those games. I don't know. But I can't stand it when we just say, yeah, it's, it, you know, it's, it's, it's like the Phillies win nine in a row at some point. Oh, my God. You know, and then you turn around three weeks later and they've lost nine. I mean, it's, it's wait until, you know, Yes, they're in a bad spot, and I don't think they're good enough. But, you know, again, if they had won last night and they were in a position to win, they, you know, Mike Sielski had a great column today. They're just good enough not to be good enough. And oh, yeah. It summed, it summed them up perfectly, absolutely perfectly. Because the TJ, the play that, you know, to have a good period or something or a good game, and then go back to being them and – well, Mike, Mike um, I, I should point out, they are five points behind the Bruins. The Bruins have two games in hand. They are tied right. with the Rangers at 41 points. The Rangers had the tiebreaker. Right, right. I mean, it's getting laid off early. You have about 16 games left. Yeah. What, what if What if they, they have 18 games, I believe? What yeah, if they 56, go 12-6? Yeah. What if they go 12 what if they go twelve and six? Yeah, but you need you you need then the Bruins to. That's why it has to start this week. You have no head to head games against the Bruins after Saturday. By the way, I, I get you, but we we're talking like the Bruins are. The Bruins have not played well. No, they haven't. Most of the against most of the league except the Flyers. Yeah, they're six two and two in the last ten. Right. So we always assume that the that the Bruins are going to go out and beat everybody else. Well, no, they they may not. They they may lose a lot of games too. I'm just saying is, yeah, if they, if they if they don't win 
or at least if they don't get three points out of these next two games, at the minimum, you're probably you know I mean they're still not like you know officially whatever, but yeah, I mean, your point is well taken, but you, you can't you, you'd love to do that you know and I know well, other people yeah you know, they're done okay well they're done then you know don't play anymore I don't know um but if they had won last night everybody would have been like well you know I know the Bruins have two games at hand but they just beat them twice and okay that that's the way sports work and, and and when we treat every game like the NFL that's this is what happens you know we you can't treat basketball or baseball or hockey until you get down to the point where you know if the Flyers with, with six games to go are, are seven points down yeah they're toast you know put put them in the microwave and heat them up but there's still 18 games and you know I I see yeah one year we saw the Mets lose like their last eight games so the Phillies made the playoffs but nobody was saying that would happen before it happened so I will I will happens. I will say that one thing this year has done for them is <clears throat> to me, I think they need to look at the structure with their leadership in, in 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 on ice leadership. And I'm not talking head coach. I'm not talking. Look, you could talk about firing assistants, and that's fair and good. I it, I don't. I would not get rid of Vigneau, even if you don't make the playoffs this year. But I would seriously look at uh, your captain. Uh, your assistant captains, your older veteran leaders, the Jake Voracek's of the world. Well, go ahead. Good luck trading Jake. You, you well, no, have, I'm just. Ahead, I know Kevin. Well, we well maybe, maybe, Jake. maybe it's a buyout, Mike. But that's fine. We all want to get rid of Jake. We've wanted to get rid of Jake for two years. Yes, it's it's one thing to say this is what we should do. Now go ahead and do it. It's kind of like the like to me. Came in. To me, Sean Couturier is more likely, and this isn't a knock on Claude Giroux, but it's just that maybe it's time for somebody else to run the locker room. That's fine. Because it, it, what you've had now with with Giroux this year is a team that's flatlined. And I get it. A lot of it's goaltending. A lot of it's their defensive issues. They don't play with enough fire. They really don't on a given night. I just think that it's they're saying the guy has a seal on his on his thing, and if you can't oh, it's an easy him, put on somebody else. I I don't buy that crap, Kevin. I'm sorry. I, I if Couturier's in the locker room, why can't he do things in the locker room? Well, because he doesn't have a seal on his jersey. That that's hockey crap. It, it's it's you can have leadership without having a leather on your jersey. Okay. If you want to get, if you're telling me they have too many players on their team who've been there too long, that's fine. I'm with you. Good luck making all this shit. Like, you know, Dombrowski came in. How are you going to fix this? Um, you know, Maury came in. How are you going to fix this? Oh, I'm going to get rid of Horford. Okay, what? Well, okay, that works. It's, you know, so Dombrowski comes in. How are you going to fix this? Okay, well, I got this. these five relievers. Okay, fine. Now, tell your, your GM how are you going to fix this. Everybody else knows about board check. The, the rest of the league is stupid. They know, they know. Things so it's not easy of a fix. No, because it is. You got to make trades. You got to. There is a salary cap. I don't know how that works. Us to salary caps in other sports, but I don't think it's easy just walking in and saying we're going to get rid of all these guys. Um, maybe you know, maybe, maybe, you know, Kevin. I don't follow hockey. I try, but the guy who was the NHL's MVP three years ago. 
I believe it was three years ago, for for the Sabers, is now on the trading block. Yeah, twenty eight years old. Mm-hmm. How does that happen? Um, it happens when you're with a bad organization, or when the player says, "I okay. want out." Okay. Oh no, but but his production has dropped off, right? Yeah. Oh look. Or- I- yeah, I, I and mean, this is and this is why like everybody who's like well you know you know Carter Hart had a bad year. Uh, um, there's been goalies who have bad years and bounces back. I'm not I'm not yeah. I'm not giving up on Carter Hart, but you you can't no. But I do look at the rest of the group and I wonder. Okay, Ivan Provorov was supposed to be a number one defenseman. Well, he hasn't shown that. He hasn't right. Um. Well, you know that they, they've got a lot of guys who I think they've over, they've fallen into what the Phillies have and what you've always said the Phillies had. The Phillies overvalued their own, and I think that's right. what but the again, Flyers have. If, if you thought. go back to the bubble, yeah, they okay? play well, and before they the play bubble, well before the bubble, everybody in Philadelphia, nobody in Philadelphia was saying how lacking the Flyers. No, you're right. Not just the Flyers, us. We, it was like they went to. They played yeah. so great before the pandemic hit, right? Mm-hmm. They'd won nine straight or ten, whatever it was. They go to the bubble and they win those three games yeah. against the three other teams. And we're so excited. It's like, my God. And then, okay, they didn't play as great after that as we we, we thought. But they still got to a game seven against the Isles and then yeah. played like crap. But now, so, so all of a sudden, and then they start this season like nine, two, and one or whatever it was. Yep. And all of a sudden, so, so why didn't we? We noticed eight months ago that these guys weren't good enough. Like what? Like what? Like what happened in those in the last three months or two months that got them from nine two and one to this? That's what I don't get. That that's the part I'm having trouble. No, I I hear you. It can't just be Carter Hart. I know that's a big part. Of it. And you know, well, the defense isn't better in front of Brian Elliott either. So let's be honest. Hey, if Carter Hart stinks next year. This whole franchise has an issue. Yeah, they do. So, I mean, but you're right. Like, Provorov, he was supposed to be this. Number one defenseman. Buddy. and he, Yeah. Exactly. Uh, and he's I, more like a second, a second line defenseman, not, which is fine. But I'm not hockey savvy enough to sit there and say what went wrong in two months. From January or, you know, early, mid-January, I, mean, I don't know, whatever. My, they, they're making them loss of Matt Niskanen like Bobby Orr retired. But Matt Niskanen was a decent player. Matt Niskanen should not have led to this big a drop-off. But they were still 9-2-1. and one, I get or it. Or 9-3-1 and one, or whatever they were when they started. Um, it, wasn't until, it wasn't until they started losing to Boston. When they started playing Boston and Boston was beating them. Yeah. And then the record kind of, you know... Um, but they, when they started the season, they were playing well. Yep. Or at least the record was well. I don't know if they were playing well, but the, the record was, was you know, whatever it is. So so that's the Flyers story. Uh, now let's get to the final thing. And this is Mr. Kern's, uh, Mr. Kern's fairway here. Uh, the Masters begin tomorrow. Um, no Tiger, obviously, who is still recovering from his injuries. Not that I'm... Not that I think Tiger wouldn't necessarily have been a favorite there at Augusta National, but um, like one, it's such a quick turnaround from when they played there in November, and you know, obviously Dustin Johnson put a twenty under on the board in, in, in the fall. Um, how do you expect Augusta tends to frown upon when somebody goes low like that? They they tend to try to 
make it more difficult? How do you explain? No, 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 no. Go ahead. No, that's that's the U.S. Open. Okay. No, that's not a good. But the course will be different. Yes. It'll probably be tougher. But if you look at a lot of the winning scores at Augusta in, uh, in the years I cover, whatever, there's a lot of winning scores around 15, 16, 14 under. I mean, yeah, it was 20 a little bit, you know, past. Yeah, but I mean, you know, Tiger was shooting 18 under there in 1997. So, you know, it, but it will play probably more like uh, it does most years. Mm. And it, it'll probably be faster, probably play faster. The greens will probably be faster. What that means, I have, yeah, Augusta, I don't know what the weather forecast is for down there. It actually is supposed to be clear, I think, most of the week. Well, if it's that, then it's going to play fast. Yeah. I mean, there's no doubt about it. And then it comes down to what the winds are like. If it's not very windy, then the course can be had a little bit. If the winds start blowing, well, that changes the course. So, I mean, um, you know, it's funny. There's so many storylines this year. Um, obviously Dustin trying only three people have repeated Tiger, Nick Faldo and Jack. So he's trying to do that. And he hasn't played well lately. His last two stroke play events, he finished 40 something and 50 something and then didn't play well at the match play. And then he didn't play last week. I think he was supposed to play and, and withdrew. Um, but anyway, um, so I don't know what that means. I mean, yeah, he's, he's played well there. Obviously a lot of guys have played well there. Um, uh, Justin Thomas is trying to become, I believe, the first player ever to win the Players' Championship in the Masters. That is correct. Yep. Okay. And he's gotten better each time he's played there, and I think he was fourth in November. Um, then you have you know, Bryson DeChambeau. Who knows with Bryson? You know, he's going to go there. He's going to, you know, if, if he shows up and everything's working and whatever, okay. You know, he's obviously got a chance. Rory McIlroy been trying to complete the career Grand Slam now for six years, seven years. Um, he hasn't really played. He, he doesn't play horribly there, but he doesn't since he blew up in 2011 on the back nine when he had the lead. And But he did win the U.S. Open two months later. Um, so there's no shortage of storylines. Like a John Rahm, who just had a kid. Right. And, threat, and his wife, he threatened that if he was playing at Augusta, you know, and then so so that's a storyline. Jordan Speeth, Jordan Speeth, who won last week in Texas. Jordan Speeth is one of the he's the co favorite, and he probably should be because he he finished second there in fourteen, finished second there in sixteen when he hit it in the Rays Creek, won it in fifteen, and then in eighteen finished third, made a big run on Sunday. That was the year Patrick Reed won it. Right. Um. So yeah, I mean. You know, I, I, and and then there's other guys. There's a guy like um, you hear Patrick Cantlay's name get mentioned, who's who has played is is played well. There was what was the guy that what, there was a guy who didn't qualify for last year's Masters for some reason. I have to. I, I'm gonna. But but then he was playing great at the time, but he didn't get into the Masters. Daniel Berger, right? Who actually has been a pretty good player. And then there's a guy who I think I'm actually going to lean to because my son was asking me. He must be in a pool or something. He just won his two NCAA pools because he had Baylor in both of them because I gave him Baylor. Okay. And, and everybody else took Gonzaga, apparently. So, of course, I get no cut out of that. But um, And then I actually liked the Zags when it came to Monday. I thought, whatever, I'm, I'm so idiotic. But the guy that, that, I, that I think is probably won't be one of the favorites, but is Xander Shoffley, 
who I think in the last year, since his last win, has had like six seconds or something. or six. He, he's, he's one of the best golfers in the world. He hasn't won a lot. Um, yeah, he, shot- finished second, he finished second when Tiger won. Yeah, in 19. 19. Shoffley he- hasn't won since he won these uh, tournament champions in January of 19. Okay. Right. But, but he's, he's runner-up. I, think, I run- think he's in the top five in right. the world. I'm not Run- sure. He's runner-up eight times since then. Yes. And he, he played well, I'm pretty sure, in, in November. I, I want to say he finished like fourth. But he's played in the majors. And he's really been good in the U.S. Opens. In the last, I, I want to say, ten majors, he's finished in the top five, I think, like in six of them. Something like that. And a lot of them were U.S. Opens. But then you got guys like, you know, uh, Colin Morikawa, who won the PGA. Um, when did he win the PGA? Was it 20. last year? Yeah, last year. Last year. Yeah, the one that they made up and played later. And then he, he just won a World Golf Championship event. And he's the only person other than Tiger to do that under the age of 25. Um, I'm trying to think if there's any other guys that, that like that I'm, I'm – well, I'll give yeah. I'll give you one, and it's a it's an older guy. I'll give you Lee Westwood, who played really well at the Palmer and at the Players. Yeah, I was going to give. Yeah, played. but I I don't know if he can win, but he might be the kind of guy you maybe put like a top ten or a top five on, because I think he's seventy to one. I think right. if I I saw the number, and yeah, I mean, look, he yeah, I mean, he 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 always seems like that guy that can't get it done. You know, I think he's finished second in every major at one point in his life. I'm pretty sure, and I've been there for most of them. Um, yeah, I, I think Lee Westwood could be like a good kind of long shot. You know, I always try to give like a longer shot out. Um, it wouldn't surprise me to see him up there on the leaderboard. Um, try to think if there's anybody else like who's been playing well recently. Uh, I'm not the biggest Matt Kuchar fan in the world. I like him as a person, but... I mean, um, but he's been playing well lately. Um, and I don't I would never pick him to win, but but again, he's a guy that could maybe, you know, get in and, and a lot of when you do the betting stuff, like I'm gonna write the, the story for Betters Insider, I'll get posted later today. Sometimes it's not the win bet. No. Yeah, you know, it's hard to pick the winner. Now, I will say this last week I had the winner and the guy who finished second in my Betters Insider thing. I had Jordan Spieth. I took Charlie Hoffman, who was like 35 to 1 and finished second. So if you bet him to finish in the top five, you got back like 8 to 1. And my third pick was Matt Kuchar, who finished 11th. Right. So I had a good week last week. That means nobody. And I have Dustin Johnson in my pool, and that usually is not a good sign. So, um, yeah, I mean, but there's like any number of a dozen guys that you could sit here and say to me, these guys are going to win. And I would say, okay, you know, I'll, I'll, yeah. The Masters is usually the more predictable of the majors. Yeah. But because of parity, you've seen how guys react. It's the same course every year. And so I I will guarantee you, Kevin, I can go back over the last two decades and give you four or five guys who you don't even know who they are. I mean, the one guy, Trevor Immelman won the one year, beat Tiger. Zach Johnson won the one year. He wasn't supposed to win there. Because he couldn't hit any of the par fives in two. Um, what was the guy from um, the European guy that won there by birdie in the last? Keimer, not Keimer. Dan, Danny Willett? 
No, no, no. Well, Danny Wilt, there's a perfect example. No, in 2011, the guy, uh, geez, why ain't I thinking of his name? He's European. He birdied the last four holes to win the Masters, which if Tiger Woods buried the last four holes to win the Masters, we'd be hearing about it for the next 100 years. Um, why his name escapes me. It's not Keimer. Um, Adam Scott? No, no, no. Adam Scott won in 13 um, after he blew the British Open the year before. Who the hell won? Google up the 2011 Masters champion. Okay. There's a guy from Europe. Um, Hold on. Yeah. Um, I'm going to die when you tell me his name. Charles Schwarzschild. There you go. And he birdied the last four holes to win by two, and nobody remembers it because well, it was Charles Schwarzschild. Like, know, nobody cares. I'll give um, you I'll give you guys who I don't think can win it. I don't think Rory can win it. And, and the reason... No, I, I agree with you. Uh, because Rory's game, if you watch the players and if you watched uh, the WGC um, down in, uh, what was it, Austin, the last one, the Dell? Yeah. His swing is screwed up. I well, mean, he, he is spraying it. This whole Bryson DeChambeau thing is screwed. He's got a new swing coach now. Okay. He just got a new swing coach. So I, No, that, that, I would not bet Rory. You don't turn the Titanic around in a day, so. First of all, Rory has not, like, it's not like Rory's had three chances to win Augusta and hasn't. Um, and, and he goes there every year since 2014 and knowing that he needs that to win that yeah. to win the Grand Slam. And he may win it someday. I mean, Rory's good enough that, you know, he could go there and if everything, he's obviously a good enough player. But I would not play Rory. No, I I, 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 mean, I just won. That I would mean, be me. You know, he, Rory hasn't won in 17 months. Well, he hasn't won a major in seven. Yeah. No, I, I'm with you, Kevin. But he was playing before the pandemic. He was playing well. He was playing really well. He was really second, well. third. Yeah, he was in the hunt. The pandemic came, and then that whole Bryson DeChambeau thing kind of got started when Bryson went and won the U.S. Open last September. And Rory admitted, you know, that he, he might have got caught up in all that, um, trying to hit the ball longer, trying, you know, why these guys, you know, Bryson should do what Bryson's going to do. And you should do what you're going to do. Jordan Spieth, the beauty of Jordan Spieth is, Jordan Spieth is not a long hitter. No. And I remember when we were, I think it was at Augusta the one year, it might have been British, whatever. And, and they said to him, they said, the question was, how do you beat these guys putt. Um, that are hitting the ball pit? He goes, well, I have to be better with my irons. I have to be better with my putter. I have to be. And, and you know, it's the truth. I mean, everybody plays a different game. You know, Dustin hits it a long way. Justin hits it a long way. You can't be out there on the tour if you're not hitting it a long way. It's just that Bryson has taken it kind of to a different level. Um, and the thing that might help Bryson, he didn't play well in November. He, I think he finished 34th. Yep. Because there was all that hype with him coming off the U.S. Open. Now, remember, there's not a lot of rough at Augusta. Not like we think of at some majors. So he can hit the ball a little bit offline and maybe not pay for it as much as he might um, at some places where you're really hitting out as deep, goofy rough. But but what he's got to do is he's got to get close enough on greens to where his putting isn't. He can. Uh, yeah, I know. That, I'm that, just saying, yeah. but that's his key for the week. He has to get it. It's a key for anybody's week. I mean, I mean, it did not go into. But he's Johnson not a consistent enough putter that he can hit. 40 and 50 shot, uh, yes, 40, but, 50 foot punts, putts all but the time. But Dustin Johnson is not the world's greatest putter. No. He's not. I mean, it's just it, it's just a fact of life. You, you can sit there any way we want and say, Dustin Johnson standing over a 10-foot putt, you know, and 
hey, he might not. It's just life. But he shot 20 under. So, I mean, you know, if the Masters is a – look, any golf course, you have to be hitting the ball off the tee. You have, you have to be doing everything. But the Masters is a second-shot golf course. Yep. The thing that Bryson can do, and a lot of them can do, there's four par fives. The second hole is not really a get a get on it, but you can. It's not the eighth hole is not really it's not a, a is not it, a three is not a two shot five right. right. But the two on the back nine are are par fours for a lot of these guys. Yeah, thirteen and fifteen. Right, and if Bryson, I mean Bryson, could be hitting driver seven iron or driver, and and that is a distinct advantage. Now he has to be able to put that seven or eight iron where he wants it. Well, the one thing the one thing he's also got to watch is the slope on fifteen. If he if he knocks it too far down on the slope, then he gets in, in a problem with footing and all that. Kevin, trust me, these guys are so good that they will. That, trust me, for me and you, that's a problem. Yeah, it's not a problem. Their problem, they want to be in certain spots where they like if they if they play a fade, let's say. Okay, they want to be on a certain spot where to, where they can play the fade into the green, or if they play a, 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 a not a hook but a, a draw. Um, and 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 a lot about Augusta is knowledge. It is knowledge. That's mm-hmm. that's why you could see. And as goofy as it sounds, I'm not. But if Phil Mickelson could go there this week and play well, you know he won't win, but he could play well. Yeah, and he give fans something to cheer about for a while. Um. A guy like Fred Couples used to go there every single year and finish somewhere between 10 and 15 just because he knew how to play the course. He could play the course. Um, you know, and that's where, I, I mean, I think personally this could be a really good Masters. But a few that we've had recently have been good. Ma- I mean, Dustin's, because he kind of, the, the one that Tiger won was a great Masters because there was like eight guys that could have won it. Um, I don't remember the Patrick Reed one as much, but yeah, Spieth made a run. Yeah, it was Spieth and Fowler made a run at Reed at that at that. Spieth shot like a sixty five the last day. Um, and you know Jordan Spieth could win this week. I mean, I know a lot of people are now jumping on him because he won last week, but he's been playing well for like two months now. He just hadn't been playing well on Sundays, and winning in Texas is not that. But I mean, Jordan Spieth has a track record on this course. Yeah. So he gets out there the first day and everything feels good. And hey, yeah, here's the third hole. And I remember what I did here on the third hole in, you know, 2015. Now, if he gets to Ray's Creek on Sunday, is he going to think about what he did in 16? I, yeah. I, I, but I, to me, you know, if you're going to tell me you're playing Jordan Spieth, I would not argue at all. But I try to go for somebody who's a little bit higher odds. I mean, I like Justin a little bit. Except for that thing about the the TPC and but you know somebody's going to do that some year, um, you know the record isn't going to last forever. Uh, if I was going to give you three names, I'd probably give you Justin Spieth and Shawfley. Okay, and Westwood is a, is a you know like put a couple bucks on him and and, and you know whatever because he you know but uh, and and that being said, it'll probably be some guy that, I, that we didn't even mention on this. On this show. So the one area that Augusta can control are, is green speed, right? Pretty yeah, much. but they won't make it too fast. Okay. The, the greens themselves, because of the undulations... Are tricky. If you make them too fast, they'll be unputtable. 
It's like Pinehurst number two. The turtle you know, you, you make Pinehurst number two, if you stimp them up to like 13 and 14 when the greens were only designed to be stimped at 8, 9, or 10, it just becomes unfair. And Augusta doesn't have to do that. They're good enough. Like the people at Augusta don't care if the winning score is 16 or 17 under. They really don't. That's never been their thing. They don't want to see it be, you know, when Tiger started hitting wedges in the greens that people were usually hitting, you know, six irons into, they that kind of got their attention a little bit. But it, now all these guys hit it so far. I, that, well, and I was going to ask you this. Is Augusta the one course that the equipment changes that they're talking about, you know, with regulation of, 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 of golf ball especially? Um I mean, Augusta Augusta is one of those that, you know, it, it plays shorter than it did 15, 20 years ago because of a lot of reasons. Maybe not, because, but they, but they didn't have rough 20 years ago. Right. First first cut. But they, I'm not sure that it got, I mean, every, I mean, look, St. Andrews is St. Andrews. They don't change St. Andrews, okay? They're going to, they go there every five years. Because of the pandemic, they're going to go to every seven so, years because of the... Right. Because the They don't show. do anything to St. Andrews. St. Andrews, if you go to St. Andrews tomorrow and you go two years from now when the British Open goes back, they can't change it. The The only thing, you know, and, and, and that's why when they go to St. Andrews, the score can be 18 under. But if you go there when the wind's howling and whatever, it could be eight under. Right. Um, You, you can't... If you're trying to, to proof a golf course for a score, I, I just think that's... Like that's what the U.S. Open tries to do, and they do it, and and everybody goes there, and it's like, okay, we, boy, you made this and this. These guys are so good, Kevin. That yeah, if you take ten yards off the golf ball or whatever, right. it, it might have changed them hitting. So instead of hitting an eight iron, they might be hitting a seven iron. These guys hit wet. Now, Grant, they don't use the clubs we use. People have to remember that. Like they're. Their wedge and my wedge. They're not, not walking in the wedge. golf galaxy and just picking a driver off the rack. No, no but the angles are different. Yeah. You, you know, like if my wedge is, let's Shafts. Say, sake of argument, 50 degrees. Right. I'm just making up a number. Their wedge could be 43 degrees. Right. You know, but they're hitting wedges, not even a full wedge sometimes, from like a buck 50. And you sit there and you look and you go, huh? I mean... And there's nothing you can do about it. You you can't you can't enlarge golf courses. The, the, you know Augusta is what Augusta is. They they can, and these golf courses are playing 74, 7,500 yards. I mean, I don't know. You know, one day we'll probably go and it'll be an eight thousand yard course. Yeah, you know, I played a course in um a uh, Pete Dye course out in um, um French Lick, Indiana, that he built. I don't know ten years ago. It's out in the mountains. And he had the course set up that at some point they could enlarge it to like 8,200 yards. And his point was, 20 years from now, I want my golf course to be relevant. And he might not be wrong. Mm-hmm. But, but they're not building golf courses now. So all, all the golf courses that they're playing are golf courses that are there. So unless Augusta National goes and buys land from somewhere that I don't know where they can buy it, you know, uh, it, 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 so then, you know, do you want to trick up the course? I don't think Augusta wants to trick up the golf course. Right. I, I really don't think they like that. Um, and I've been there sometimes, like, when the wind, when Augusta really plays hard and, like, par is a good score. You know, that can happen. But I don't see, I mean, yeah, like, 
Would a winning score be 20 under? Probably not. But it could be like 14, 15, 16. Yep. I don't think that's out of the realm of um of possibility. Um and that and that probably means the three or four guys or five guys are at least ten under par. Yeah. Yeah, they're they're just good. They're good. Kevin, it's like it would be like you trying to explain to me why Bryce Harper or Rio Multo can do what they do. Because it's like a foreign concept to me. But I golf. But what these guys do is such a foreign concept to anything that even a scratch golfer who plays around here could can identify with. It's just it's a different world. Yep. All right. So we're uh we'll wrap this up. We'll be back here on Friday. We'll touch a little bit on the Masters. Phillies will be heading to Atlanta to open the uh the Braves ballpark at Truist Field. Uh and the Flyers hey. will be Face it. Yes, go ahead. Can I ask you a real dumb question? Yeah. The Braves now have gotten rid of the Tomahawk chop, right? You can't, you're not <laughs> supposed to do that in the stands. Yeah. Why is the Tomahawk still on their front of their jersey? No, 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 no. They haven't gotten rid of it. Oh, oh, no. I was just no. asking you because they haven't gotten rid of it. But didn't they get rid of the chop, though? I don't think so. Oh, I thought they told their fans that they didn't want them to sing that anymore. No. No, the Indians are getting rid of their nickname. Right, but I thought there was something though. No, I, I don't. I don't. Oh, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe, maybe they're wrong. maybe they're not doing the organ and co- uh, accompaniment. Right, right, right. That's what I meant. Like they, they well, didn't. But, the yeah, but they can't stop. They can't stop fans for doing it on their own. I know that, but if you're going to do that as an organization, right, would it really kill you to take the tomahawk off I, the, I, your jersey? I don't know. I don't know. So I mean, yeah, okay. I yeah. just thought you might. I thought maybe nope. I missed something. Nope. Um, All right, Mister Kern. Okay, babe. All right. Be good till Friday. Yep, we'll see you on Friday. Hopefully, we'll have a guest on Friday. Thank you for joining us. Enjoy the rest of your week. This has been We're Gonna Beat. Well, you went uptown riding in your limousine with your fine Park Avenue clothes. You had the Dom Perignon in your hand. in the mall.